Dude, I'm coming down on on uh, July 4th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got my uh, baby niece to see. It's crazy. I might have a couple baby nieces to see. I know. Yeah, yeah, by July 4th, yeah. you definitely will. Right? You guys are just yeah, like right. any day, right? We're just waiting, yeah. I mean, wow. the, 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 the actual, you know, um, date was the 23rd, but okay. you know how it is. Yeah. Wow. Excited. You got your you got your hospital bag all packed up, ready to go. Hospital bag? Yeah, yeah, but we're having a home birth. Oh, okay. Well, then you don't have to do anything. Hospital do bag is there <laughs> just in case. It's just it's the worst case scenario. Yeah, no, okay. I've got my snacks and my couch okay. ready to okay. go. All right. All right. Yeah. You're going to watch TV yeah. the whole time? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> I think I'm just going to be kind of like around and yeah. if anybody needs anything let me know yeah okay yeah. that's good that's yeah. good ready to rock all right well it's been a while but that's okay you know what? i i feel like we do this without even talking about it like once the summer comes it gets nice out and we're like we don't need to talk about dark stuff all the time <laughs> yeah and this is like you're wrapping things up school years are ending there's extra yeah. Old, old yeah shit you need to deal with and exactly like, you know exactly it's fine yeah. Wow. Well, okay. Um, there's stuff to talk about, so should we just Plenty. hop in? Yeah, let's get right into it. Okay. This is No Politics at the Dinner Table. I'm Tony Biancasino. And I'm Amit Prakash. This week, we're going to be talking about two things. Like, I have two topics I want to talk about. One is this January 6th committee, um, and two is the Supreme Court, whose who's, uh, you know, ruling is going to be coming out any day now, which is going to be interesting. All right. So tell me, um, have you been watching any of this January 6th committee? Are you watching? I'm watching the highlights. I'll, I'll, I'll put my cards and say I've not been like religious about, you know, following every moment and, you know, watching it on C-SPAN, like unadulterated, like some people are doing. I'm just like, okay, what are the highlight clips? Uh, and then I'm reading some like articles about it and that's it. Somehow, even though I'm very busy with running companies mm -hmm. and, and having a kid, I am also a 1960s housewife where <laughs> I watch everything that would have been you know, marketed to them in the sixties. I watched a lot of the Johnny Depp trial. <laughs> I've watched all of the January six stuff and people are like, what, what program, what are you watching? You watch anything good. And I'm like, you don't want to know. Um, I've watched all of it. Wow. And if I've missed it live, I watch it on YouTube. Okay. Like I, I watch all of it. That's yeah, impressive. I, That's I, impressive. I, I find it super fascinating. I mean, it's yeah. So it's, I've, I've got like, okay. So you can you can like smack down my my hot take on this because i've i've only had like a you know a very superficial uh sure. you know understanding of it um but i think you know like the highlight clips are the highlight clips and that's what most people are talking about anyway so so one thing that i want to say is that i thought it started out really well when they were interviewing yep. the capitol police officers and yep. that was probably the best testimony. Um, and it was good testimony to lead with. Um, but it was also kind of once that's done, it's, I've, I found it going downhill from there. And for a couple of reasons, um, one 
is that unlike, say, the 9-11 Commission, which was, uh, in fact, an actual bipartisan commission that, you know, was studying the origins of 9-11 and how, what, what went wrong. And, and, and it, by virtue of its bipartisanship, it had credibility. This one has no credibility because it's obviously a blatantly partisan enterprise, right? It's got like your token Liz Cheney. Um, and, um, and I got, and that's my other beef with it is that, so on the one hand, I don't think it's going to do anything. I think what, like, I wonder about the end game here is like, what, like Trump is going to get like three months probation, you know, like, like, like that's like best case scenario. Um, so like, I, I, I don't, I don't know, like beyond that sort of politically, um, what they want out of it, what, and this is like why I find it like really galling is that one, it has no political credibility and it's going to polarize the other side even more because they're going to, this is, you know, this is the witch hunt and blah, blah, blah. And these are political prisoners that you're, you know, putting in the dock. Um, but the second is that the people who are being trotted out, like Bill Barr, Bill Stepien, Bill Barr, people will recall, was one of Trump's chief enablers until he wasn't. Um, he was his, you know, attorney general, you know, diminished the Mueller report as soon as it came out. All these things, right, that that Bill Barr did, like running interference for for Trump until just this very last moment. And then Bill Stepien, he's he was the campaign manager. Um, and for those who may not know him, he his claim to fame uh, is that he was one of the organizers of Chris Christie's Bridgegate, right? So that this is these are the types of people who they're bringing out as quote unquote team normal, right? That these are the people; these are like the good Republicans. Yes, yes, there are still a few good Republicans, and they still exist, and they were trying to pump the brakes on this craziness and so on. And what this commission actually has become is a vast operation for tr former Trump admin officials, campaign staff, and like their political supporters to like coup wash their reputations. Like they're like, oh, I, you know, I, I was against the coup, therefore I'm a, like, I'm a good guy, right? Uh, and that's effectively the political outcome. And I blame the Democrats for this, right? They're just such horrible politicians that they've created this reputation washing machine and meanwhile, all the th things are still the same. Minimum wage is still seven twenty-five. The child tax credit went went away. Something that actually alleviated poverty. Not a dollar of student debt relief, and no longer a federal moratorium on evictions. The only thing the Dems are doing are running guns to Ukraine. Right? That's that's what they're able to do and want to do. So I'm like. This thing, on the one hand, I think, yes, when there is like an attempted coup, it makes sense to have like a political commission to like figure stuff out and, you know, bring it to the public. But the way they've done it and the way the, the Republicans have turned it around as a vehicle for their own political rehabilitation um, is, you know, masterful on their part and also damning for the Dems. But that's my take from just, you know, seeing okay. some stuff. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. So let's start with um, 
you started with you thought night one was really good. Yeah. And that was the prime time night, like 7 p.m. on yeah. ABC or something. And it was phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, 20 million people tuned in. Right. That's that's to put that in perspective, that's more than like the World Series or NBA Finals. Yeah. That's a lot of people. Yeah. So if you look at it that way, they've already won. The commission's already won. If 20 million people tuned in for those, what was it, two hours mm -hmm. or hour, whatever, then you can only try to paint the narrative for what it was, which was Donald Trump tried to steal an election. I think I think we have to pull back from looking at the commission as totally political. Maybe there's some political motive there. I'm sure there is. Um, and, you know, maybe there's not for some people. Their job is to investigate what happened and tell us. Now, if you want to be a moron and put your head in the sand, we can't not tell you. You know what I mean? Like the responsibility is on the voter. The government needs to do their job, their due diligence, which is they're going to paint the picture. It's not it's not supposed to all necessarily be super entertaining. It's not a TV show. It's a report. So if you watch this at the end of this and you're and you still believe it's uh, a witch hunt, then that that's on you. I mean, I, I don't feel good for the future of your family. I mean, I, I don't I don't you know, there's a bigger issue going on there. So for one, I think. It's important to say it's really hard to watch this and to walk away thinking that it's a witch hunt. I mean, his daughter is on there saying, I agreed with Bill Barr. I thought the election was fair. I mean, you have her saying he was screaming at Mike Pence. Another person saying he was calling him a pussy. Like, these are his hires. He's his team. So at some point, you know, if you want to be the band playing as the Titanic goes down, then God bless you. There's no convincing you to jump off. And that that's okay. Uh, but I do think for people that maybe are somehow on the fence, I think it's super powerful. I think it's it it will it will make Donald Trump not such a viable candidate. I still believe if he wants to run, he's going to get smoked, even if it's by Biden. I don't think he's winning another presidential election. I think we've moved on past him. Um, the second is you said the Democrats; it's their fault. Mm -hmm. So I struggle with this a lot because. You know, we we both are like, we kind of hate all of them. Yeah, um, I mean, we're just well. We're, let's just say we're generally critical. And we're critical. Yeah, yeah. Maybe hate to uh, start war. We're 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 like Bernie's the one that got away. We kind of align right. with him on all that stuff. Anyway, right. you know, when you really analyze what's going on, are the Democrats doing that bad of a job? I don't want to say it, but they're not necessarily doing as bad of a job as we thought. They don't really have the majority. It's majority on paper. Uh, you know, Joe Manchin's not really a, a real Democrat. He's he's not reliable. He's not really pushing anything progressive. Um, uh, uh, um, who's the lady from Arizona? Uh, since she's not really a Democrat. I mean, it's it's not. That's a it's a great propaganda tool for the Re Republicans being like they have all the control and they can't get anything done. It's like, uh, I don't know. Is that real? Um, so, you know. Look, Biden's got a great Supreme Court justice that got locked in. That's huge. He I think he's done a decent job at handling the situation going on in Ukraine. Uh, I don't know quite what the answer is. I don't have that kind of experience dealing with <laughs> invasions of democratically run countries. Um, in a way, you have to sit back and and feel like 
America is slightly more respected in Europe and with the Western, with the Western alliances than when Trump was in office. I mean, it feels more like when Trump was there, it was, we, we felt kind of close to Putin and China and Trump was going rogue and, you know, disrupting alliances that we just feel safe having. Um, you have to think Biden has done a decent job at not becoming the face of like, you know, uh, uh, Macron's there, Boris Johnson's there. Imagine for Trump. I actually don't know. We might be in war. We might be against Ukraine. I, I have no idea, nor do I want to think about it. But Biden has done a decent job at not necessarily being the American, like, we're leading this. It feels oddly like a little bit of a group effort, which is shocking to me, even though we're sending billions of dollars in aid. So are a lot of the European company uh, or countries. So I don't know. I thought that was handled pretty well. The Build Back America is not what we wanted, but it's not nothing. Like it's something, it's, you know, and I, I would push back on that a bit. But I mean, with what he's working with, he's got two rogue senators. I mean, it, it's blow it up or take what you can get. And so that's let me let me let me say just two things with regard. I I'll concede, of course, right, that you've got these two thorns in the side of the Democratic voting block in the Senate. They're Republicans, right? you know, right. and you so, know you know, and, and or or they're you know, they're, no, I think they're Democrats, and that yeah, tells you that's one wing of the Democratic Party, right? Um, and and the and and this is where I think, like, despite what Biden may say, when push comes to shove, when he can do things, he decides not to do them. I'll give you two sure. examples. One is the minimum wage, right? So we all remember when Kristen Cinema did that famous thumbs down little like curtsy in in the Senate chamber um, which we which do. killed the going uh, the minimum wage going up to 15. And then it was like okay, well we can't do it, right? We can't do it. Why? Because they didn't have the votes there, but they would have had the votes for on if you wrote it on another bill, but then the Senate parliamentarian said it didn't fit, right? Now, I just want to remind people, the Senate parliamentarian is a consultative person. They have no actual power. They can just say, hey, we, I don't think this conforms to like, you know, the traditional Senate rules or whatever. The counterexample is when George W. Bush in the year 2001 summer before 9-11, wanted to pass one of the biggest tax cuts in American history. And the Senate parliamentarian said, no, you can't add this to this bill. You know what he did? They fired that Senate parliamentarian, put in a new person, and they got the biggest tax cut in uh, recent sure. American history. So if sure. the Democrats actually wanted to raise the minimum wage, they could have done that, right? It still sits at $7.25 an hour, right? I understand. Right? So that's one. The second is, you know, another thing that he ran on, which was student debt relief. He can do that with a stroke of a pen. Why is he not going to do that? Because he's from freaking Delaware, right? And and it's like yeah. the the home base for like every credit card and lending uh, institution in America, right? I understand. Um, so these these guys are just completely financially captured. And whether it's will or if it's force, either way, they have the, the the putative power to do it. They've decided not to do it. Let me let me get back to where we'll get back to the, the January 6th commission. But I'm not 
this is not, I'm not defending Biden as a great president. What I'm saying is we came from Trump, um, could have had Trump again. I'm, what I'm saying is I, I, I think it could be a lot worse. And that's where I'm at as a, as a, as a voter, as a American, as a Democrat, I don't really, I, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you expected Biden to come in and be Bernie, no, then, no. then your head's up your ass too. So I think he's slightly left of where I think he actually really is. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see him forgiving student debt. I don't see him raising the minimum wage, nor did I think he would ever do that. Um, These so, are all the things that he campaigned on, by the way, though. Of course. Yeah, I know, but big deal. Um, th that's all, that's all bullshit anyway. I mean, I don't, when, when anything people are campaigning on, I don't necessarily believe unless it's part of their history, unless they voted that way traditionally. Otherwise you're just trying to get in. Um, I, I think Biden should not run again. So let me just also take it there before we get yeah. back. I'm not defending. He, sh he should step out. Um, because what's going to happen is you're going to have a president DeSantis in two years. If, if it goes this way yeah. and you can put that on the record right now, I've been saying it for a while. Um, that guy's terrifying and he can win. And if, if I were him, I would beg Biden to stay in. I think he'll smoke him. I think it's going to be a fucking problem. Anyway, so the January 6th committee, their job is not to convict. Their job is not to do anything but to tell the story. That's what this is. It's up to, to um, um, oh my God, what the hell is his name? Merrick Garland's branch to do this. If he wants to take some of the information, if they'll give it to him and, and bring charges against Trump, that's up to them. I'm not quite sure uh, how that works, but I think this could be the a bit of the nail in the coffin for Trump himself, not necessarily his movement. I think that's, I think that's way past him now. I don't think he has control over it, but um, I, I think it's, I think if, if that, if it were the one thing that we'll get out of this was to kind of make it that he's not going to be our president again, I think it, I think it worked. Yeah, that might be the case. And that's a good thing. Trump is horrible. Um, but as you said, like, you know, DeSantos is probably worse, right? Because he's actually not he's worse. Like actually smart and knows how to run. Not government, worse. You know, not worse. I don't know. This, no one's worse. This, than Trump. I, I would still stand by George W. Bush being worse than Trump. Right. So that there, um, um, was a worse president yeah. than Trump. Yeah. Yes. But had Trump have succeeded with January 6th, we would not be saying that right now. We would have said literally there was a coup. Yeah, well, and right, we have, right. but yes, policy-wise, when you when if you take all of their Twitter and everything out of this and you just look at what they yep. did, President Bush's will go down as top two, three worst presidents in the history of the United States. I mean, I, I don't know how people cart this guy so around like he's anything. This, but this criminal, is so. what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. The yeah. Democrats rehabilitation of horrible. That's true. That's a good call. Right? So yeah. like, this is what they do and this is what they've let this commission become. Right. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have had the commission. I'm saying they're such terrible politicians that it's been hijacked by these Republicans who are like, I'm such a great guy. I, you know, uh, was waving the red flag when when Donald Trump was being crazy. It was like, oh, great, you're not a total complete sociopath. That's that's much that's much much mean. You're a hero, right? And which is like how they're being presented. Literally, those words are being used by um, by some of the Democratic senators. Mike Pence was a hero who saved the republic and things like that. And it's like, are you kidding me? I mean, like, are you? I mean, Ahmed, he wasn't a hero, but like, 
You got you got to give credit where credit's due. He he, he could have easily he, if it would have credit been, was following know, procedure and following the law, right? Which they didn't typically do, which a lot of people don't typically do when they get power. I I'm just saying I don't like Mike Pence, but I have to push back a little bit. You do get credit for doing the right thing. That's why we all do the right thing because you you know if you don't do the right thing, there's a consequence. If you do the right thing, you should get a hey, good job, you did the right thing. I'm glad you did that. I don't think it's one of those like you should. Everyone just does the right thing. I think we got to go. Thank God Pence did that because we'd be really in a bad place had he have not. And I'm not saying he's a hero. I still think he's a homophobic, horrible piece of shit. But that is my point about like a Ron DeSantis or a Mike Pence being not as bad as Trump, because even Mike Pence, who is as crooked as they come, there was a line. We, we saw the line that he would not cross. I mean, fuck, dude, for a politician running the United States of America, you gotta, you gotta at least go, okay. There's a li- there's even if it's a a, a a a a sugar or a sand morsel of integrity, there's a little bit in there somewhere. Remember we saw it with John McCain before his death, where he put the thumbs down. That guy was a crook too. There, there, there are these games being played where rules are broken, but the game's still going on because of Mike Pence. Otherwise, the game was over, and we're in a new game. Yeah, I mean, sure. Um, you got to go for the mob then, boss, dude. You don't go for the right. soldiers. You take out the boss. <laughs> didn't you watch Goodfellas? Don't you watch? Didn't you watch The Godfather? Who do you go for? You don't go for the street, the street bulls. You go for the boss. You got to take out Trump in order to try to fix some of this. You're not taking out Pence or Barr. Who cares about Barr? He'll probably never. You know, there's, he's no threat to anybody. No one cares about him. Trump is the guy you got to take out. The, the, so the yeah, thing this is, is called, these... you know, Sammy the Bull got to take out John Gotti and now he's got a TV show. <laughs> that's okay. John Gotti got taken out. The mob got taken down. Like, that's what you do. I'm What I'm saying is that what's happening now is that these Trump parasites who should have gone down with them, with him politically are now going to creep back in the next Republican administration. And there will be another Republican administration eventually. And they will be creeping back since George W. Bush. Bar Bar was on Bush's thing. This is what I'm saying. Went to two illegal wars. This is what I'm saying is that for for so long, the Dems were like, how horrible are these people? I cannot believe this. They're legalizing all this terrible stuff. And now they've given them the washing machine and they've, washed their hands of the Trump administration. And now they can come back as pristine heroes who saved America from Trump. Right. That, that is the political outcome of this. And the legal outcome of this, I'm telling you, is going to be like at best some sort of suspended sentence or probation for Donald Trump. It's going to be nothing. Right. You know, like that it goes around, comes around kind of thing. Yes. It doesn't. People like that are, are just completely, um, you know, insulated from any consequences, right? Like the billionaire class can, and he's one of them, can do all this kind of stuff. And he's he's not going to go to jail. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah, they're going to send Donald Trump. It's not going to happen. He'll be. You're you know, blaming the wrong people. I'm blaming. Uh, I've the, said it uh, two years ago. I'll say it again. When people suffer enough, change will come. 
if you want to keep voting for Republicans or people that don't represent your interests, you know, a, a great portion of the country makes minimum wage. If they all voted, we would have a little something different going on. There's half of the country is women. If they all voted for the people for people that didn't want to control their bodies, guess who wouldn't win office? I mean, at some point, at some point, you just got to look around and go, you haven't suffered enough. I mean, this is just it. You know, like Europe's a lot older than America and they seem to swing in the right direction sometimes. And it's they're socialist. They've got a lot of things we don't have here. You know, uh, the UK just went to a four day work week. Jesus Christ. Could you imagine that here? Oh, my God. God forbid you got an extra day with your kids at home. That sounds crazy. Um, I don't know. It's not that hard. I, I'm, I'm, maybe it's my older age. I'm just I, getting annoyed. I'm just like, what are we I, complaining I about? That, um, that view that suffering will produce inevitable change is not necessarily the case. Uh, yeah. Maybe historically speaking, yeah. and I would defer to you on that, but we're in the United States of America where we're not where we have the free will to go and vote. I'm not talking, I know there's plenty of people that are repressed and even just getting a voting card is hard, but let's just assume they don't vote, but everyone else does, that can do it. We would kind of be more of a liberal place. I, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, if we're going to sit around waiting for the Dems to like come up with a new message, well, I think it's going to be a couple decades. I don't think you get to recover that quickly when you come from, you know, the last three decades of democratic leadership being frauds and being Wall Street friendly. I don't think you you get to just, well, we had Trump. We're way better. We're more liberal. I don't think it works like that. I think it's generational. I think people are angry at the Democrats. And I don't, I don't think it's going away in this decade. I think it could take at least a decade to try to fix this message. I mean, people are crazy if they think the Dems can just rethink their message. They try all the time. And you have the easiest targets. They stormed the Capitol, and yet we're probably they're probably going to get their clocks mm -hmm. cleaned in November. What else do you need? This is this is like <laughs> know. you know so like in terms of like again this is just like my beef with the Democrats in terms of like them being terrible politicians is that they are going to get creamed. Uh, they're going to definitely lose the House. They'll probably lose the Senate, and and they've really don't really have like accomplishments they can run on, right? They can run on the, you know, Republicans being, you know, obstructionist, but nobody cares about that. Nobody, you know, you know, you're like proving the negative. No, that's, you can't really run on that. And then the perverse thing is that what they are going to get to run on is the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Right. Like like that's the overturning of Roe v. Wade is going to be their political gift, which is insane. Right. Because that is like a horrible actual policy outcome for millions and for everybody like like that. That's yeah. You know, yeah, if it, it gets it's overturned. Gonna get overturned. Uh, absolutely. You think? Absolutely. I mean, this is <laughs> it's not like no. a secret. They've been trying to do this for decades. Right. You know, like and, no, and, I understand. and I understand. again, the Republicans and their movement are very good at this. They're very good at slowly but surely tearing down things they don't like and then insinuating themselves and suddenly things have changed, right? They are masters at that. And that's exactly what they've done with the courts. Um, actually, that's what I want to talk about next. So let's, let's, let's take a pause and do that. Yeah, because okay. I've got a lot to say about this. 
Okay, so you remember when we started the pod back in Brooklyn, and I remember there was like, it was like the fifth episode or something, and you were like, um, dude, there's you only want to talk about Bernie Sanders or the Supreme Court. <laughs> like, that, that was basically it. Right? I do remember that. And that's basically still true, but like, I'm still, you know, uh, Bernie 100%. But back then, I still had like a lot of kind of, I think like respect for the court, you know, like a, a sort of like, sometimes, you know, grudging, but at the same time, I was like, you know, these are like really smart people and, you know, they're these master legal thinkers and, you know, they know much more about this sort of stuff than we do. And, you know, we should defer to their judgment, right? Like that they, they've earned these positions and, you know, that's, that's that. Right. Um, and it is the case that the modern Supreme court is like way more better sort of pedigreed than before. You know, you don't technically even have to go to law school to be on the Supreme court. And there have been people on the Supreme court in American history who are not lawyers, but now it's just kind of like, it's automatic. Like there's, there's no legal demand that you go to law school, but it's just like expected now. Like, like obviously you're a lawyer, like, you know, that that's just sort of expected. And so like, yeah, and all these people went to Harvard and Yale and Stanford and all, all these like great schools and all that kind of stuff. So yes, they're, you know, very smart, very smart. But the problem is, is that like the Supreme court is like historically and contemporarily been kind of awful. Um, you know, like with the few, like the, the reason we, you know, come back to say Roe v. Wade or Brown versus Board of Ed is that because those decisions are so rare, right? Those like just those kind of progressive decisions are just so rare um, because the the tradition of the court is like completely reactionary with the people who are on it. Um, and, and then also their, their rulings. Right. So like I, you know, I thought, you know, I think I've just basically imbibed a lot of like the subtle propaganda, <laughs> like growing up in America. I mean, like, oh yeah, the court, you know, like, oh man, look at their, their robes and their, you know, temple of justice they work in. And, you know, we should, we should really bow our heads before them up when they walk in the room, the whole thing. Right. Um, and what we've come to realize is that the court is completely political, right? That it's just completely a political operation and its legitimacy depends on us not believing that, right? That its its legitimacy is dependent on the myth of its neutrality, and and once that's gone, and I feel like like the scales have kind of fallen from my eyes, especially in the past few years. With like, I mean, obviously it started with like the blocking, you know, the, the blockade of Merrick Garland. It's like, okay, this is complete. You know, this is politics, right? This is this is not about his his record he was also seen as a kind of a centrist liberal right like a very much a down the middle liberal not a left liberal in any way um so that is completely political but then the people who have been put on the court since then right and so i don't know if you read the leaked opinion the alito opinion um or parts of it or some of it but like his basic argument okay okay so like you know yes. that like his, his basic argument is that Abortion is not a deeply rooted right in the American tradition, political tradition, right? And so, and for him, like things have to be deeply rooted to remain contemporary rights, right? According to that logic, you know, slavery and the ability to own people um, is a deeply rooted right in the American tradition, right? Um, the right for women to vote 
is a latter day newfound right, right? It's, you know, barely a hundred years old. Um, so, you know, this, this type of argumentation just shows you <laughs> that they're willing to like say anything and dress it up in the, the sort of garb of like legal, you know, acumen and, and, uh, sort of just just sort of dressing like ma- making it sound really sort of profound and substantive but really they're just zigzagging around and, and creating creating outcomes that they want right and hence that's why you get people like you know Amy Coney Barrett who's like elected put up in the court in like two weeks right you know so yeah. 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 I mean, she's going to mean, I'll be dead and she'll still be on the court. (laughs) Right. You know, like, you know, so, you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely (laughs) insane. Um, so for me, I just want like two things. One is that the politics around abortion have changed so much that, and this is something that most people, I don't, I think most people probably don't know, but until, uh, 1988, more Democrats were pro-life than Republicans, right? So that, like, it's very recent, right? And the reason for that is that most Democrats um, were Catholics and they were, then the Pope's prohibition, right, on on abortion, right? And they, they sort of voted that way. That began to shift when the evangelical movement took that over. So one of the outcome, one of the sort of strange outcomes, um, this is like this, like sort of like weird tricks of history is that if it used to be the case that, that there were more Democrats that were pro-life because of the over-representation of Catholics in the Democratic Party um, until you know, the late 80s, um, what's happened now is that you've got a number of highly conservative Catholic Supreme Court justices um, originally starting with Scalia, but then now Alito and, um, and, and Kavanaugh. Um, and, uh, what you have now is the return of that view on abortion, but now it's coming from the right, right? That, that, so where it used to be a sort of, there was like a left-wing pro-life argument that came out of the sixties and was like, you know, you know, we want civil rights for everybody, even like, and especially the people who are not protected, right? You know, like, you know, for black people, for women, for gay people, and for the unborn, that like they are like the mm. most least protected, right? So that, you know, that was like the left argument to be pro-life. Um, and then it also aligned with some Catholic te- social thought. Um, but now that's like totally turned and it's it's still, but it's right-wing Catholic uh, social thought. It's not saying that they should be, you know, they don't really care about civil rights for everybody. They're just talking about this narrow idea of that. The, the second, um, an egg has been fertilized, that's a human being. Right. And, and that's what they care about. Right. Period. Um, and it also happened to build a massive political coalition, but that's what the interesting thing is that it hasn't always been that way. Right. You know, like it, like, for, for the longest time, people didn't care about abortion as an issue. Um, and, and now it's, it, thankfully it became a right and now it's a right that's going to be taken away. Right. And that is 
the Supreme Court at work. Yeah. Right? The Supreme Court at work is not the neutral adjudication of laws um, and legal arguments, but rather the crafting of legal arguments to fit particular outcomes mm. of a given justice. That's what it is. So, so really, what this is, this is a long farewell letter to my love for the Supreme Court. Yeah, <laughs> is that is that like, I'm just like over them. I'm over it. Yeah, me too. I think a lot of people are. Um, you know, it's interesting hearing that perspective. I didn't really know that. I mean, it's it makes a lot of sense. Mm. I mean, religion fucks up everything. So, um. I feel terrible. I mean, I live in a I live in Louisiana where in the whole entire state I think there's two abortion clinics. Right. I mean, it's already hard enough to get one here. Um, you know, a lot of people even that live in Louisiana go to Florida to get one, you know? It's not that it's not that easy anyway and it's legal. Um, it sucks. I mean, it totally sucks. I again if I were the CEO of the Democratic Party, I would triple down on this. I mean, this is the only real thing you have. Um, no one cares about January 6th. That isn't going to care. Either you care or you don't already, and your mind's made up. I actually think the only, you know, for the Democrats, this is how... This is how sad it is. For the Democrats to win, you need to try to tap into people's conscience from, like, when they were a kid and, like, maybe they do the right thing. And I think a lot of people that voted for Trump couldn't vote for him again because they tapped into that like, I can't do it again. That was naughty. And that's that's kind of, that is kind of how the Democrats need to look at this. Like, like if you're alone and you could steal a cookie, are you going to do it or not? And I think you need to go with that as like the foundation for trying to get people to wake up. And abortion is the thing. I mean, there are plenty of what would have been Democrats that are pro-life. And you, you have to understand that, like, these are irrational people. And, and I don't care what you believe, you know, your religion, whatever. I mean, I have a hard time believing that if God's real, he looks like me and also has a penis. I mean, that, does that, does that seem a little rigged? You know, the, the, the creator of the universe has what I have. There's something wrong with that anyway, but that's for you to take on. Um, if, if you want to battle those people, you're not, those people aren't coming back. They're, they're in la la land. So what you need to do are there are plenty of young people. There are plenty of people that are affected by this, that know someone that has, have had an abortion that just, if you just look at it like, yeah, maybe you're, maybe you don't maybe you don't want abortions to happen, but like, don't you want to make that decision for yourself? And you tap into like the the women's movement and like get women behind this because a lot of white women got Trump into power, a lot of black women got Biden into power. So clearly, women have a lot of power. Um, you know, it's not an issue that's going to affect us right now. I mean, we I'm having a daughter. You have a daughter. God forbid we had to do something, but. You, you got to tap into that. You got to make it personal. If you want to make it this blanket, you know, um, the unborn fetus, like get the fuck out of here. Like, who are you kidding? Nobody skips around wanting abortions. Nobody is happy or proud that they do this. It's a really shitty thing that people have to do. And it's typically for a, probably a pretty good reason. Nobody's like very rarely. I, I, and I actually think never are people like, <laughs> you know, 
oh, I'm going to have abortion on Saturday. This sucks. This is not, it's not, it's not like a pill. It's like a procedure. Like they, they give, they like kind of put you out and like have to like do some shit to you. It's not cool. So like if the Democrats can't lay this blueprint out and here's the blueprint, they're, they're going to overturn Roe versus Wade. We've conceded it's going to happen because the Republicans would not allow President Obama to get a Supreme Court justice in when it was fair to do so, and then completely flip-flopped when Trump was out of office and they snuck Barrett in, or, yeah, Barrett Mm in. Um, And the only way we have a fighting chance at your rights are if we flat-out win everything and then we stack the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court doesn't give a shit about you. This is a political machine, and I would attach it to Trump, and I would make it about them. And I'm not saying it would work, but you would need to bring in some pretty good marketing people. I think it's the only shot they have is if they make it like a the Supreme Court is part of the Trump campaign. Yeah. I mean, and, yeah. and Clarence Thomas's wife, Jeannie's Jean, giving yeah, you some right. pretty good evidence. Yeah. yeah. And if that, if you can't turn that into delegitimizing the Supreme Court and flipping it for the argument of stacking, then I think you're in big trouble. I think, and by you, I mean me. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I know I exactly. Think, I think we're in big trouble. I, exactly. I, I think one we of the, shouldn't have this much power, man. This is a little crazy. I'm very uncomfortable with this. I think the problem actually is that a lot of the Democratic Party, starting with Biden, um, does not have this let's call it very highly critical perspective on the court and still believes it to be, you know, this hallowed institution that, you know, you know, the same thing that he thinks about the Senate and, you know, like this is like, you know, we're, you know, smart. I mean, don't you remember when Dianne Feinstein hugged Lindsey Graham? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hugged Lindsey Graham. This guy is the devil. Yeah. Yeah. So you're right. Yeah. There are plenty of these. So uh, let's call them 70 and older which is insane. Yeah. Uh, that are all these old school Democrats. I think we're still going to go to, you know, look, I, it's grill. I listened, I listened to an fight. interview with the head of the ACLU, David Cole, who's, he was, who, for those who don't know, he was one of the lead lawyers who was arguing during the Bush administration for the rights of people in Guantanamo to end the surveillance state. And he was, you know, he's like highly respected person and should be right. And he became the head of the ACLU and he, himself because you know he he argues a lot of cases in front of the supreme court he's he's very much like you know we have to preserve the integrity of the court and its legitimacy and we can't pretend that you know we can't have people thinking that this is just like red team versus blue team up here and so on so even a person who's who i i think is a you know a really wonder like a really great crusading righteous lawyer um is also still just like yeah, there you know the Supreme Court is like the greatest, right? And we just have to like maintain that. So it's a it's a big fight to 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 make people generally understand how political um, this court is. But the, I always want to go back to one thing that you said is that you know one way to sort of mobilize the vote around this issue is like basically through morality, right? It's like to get people from like, you know, like a moral level saying, you know, this is the right thing to do. That could also, I, I understand that, but that could also backfire because that's precisely what 
the religious right is arguing, right? That this is a moral issue. It's not a political yeah, issue. It's an issue but, but about the problem life is that and the, death, but, right? Kind of. But the, the problem is no one, no one that's not religious is going to get sucked into that. That's my point. There are plenty of people that are half in, half out of religion that have premarital sex, that watch pornography, that do drugs, that drink alcohol, that do excessive stuff, that break every single command. They have sex with their neighbor's wife, all the stuff. They lie, they cheat, they dishonor their parents. So most, I, I have, this is a Tony statistic I'm yeah, going to yeah. make up. Okay. I guarantee you 99.9% .9 of religious people are complete hypocrites and don't follow it perfectly, including priests as we've seen. Yeah. Right. So that argument doesn't work for me. Right. That, you break it. This is the one thing you're going to die on the cross on abortion. Really? This is it. This is your big thing. I don't think so. I think those wacky people and, and, I, and I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll equate it to my own life, right? We, I've lived a lot of places. I've traveled a lot. We have a gigantic family that is all over the political spectrum from millennials that don't want jobs to uh, aunts and uncles that are, you know, were very promiscuous in their younger age that are now very religious that, you know, all the hypocrisy lies within my family and the greater um, reach of my friendships. The people that account for the religious crazy people are like four, maybe five, and they're older, mm -hmm. and they're going that way. You ain't come, they're not coming back. They're living in their little hypocrisy. They're the same people that show up to church every day, even when the priests were molesting young boys. That good luck. I don't want to talk. I don't want to convince those people. I don't want them on the team. The real scary thing for the Democrats is the Latino vote, because a lot of Latinos who are also religious, who typically would be Democrats and should be Democrats, are going to vote Republicans. Yeah. That's a big issue. Yeah, and that. That is where you got to figure that one out. I'm not sure. I mean, the whole Trump calling him rapists and drug addicts didn't necessarily work. So whether it's policy, whether it's finding really good candidates that are actually not white, that, you know, are, are Spanish speaking, that, you know, that actually re really can educate and bring people in. Uh, that's scarier than the crazy, you know, white people that go to church still and pretend like, Oh, you know, all religions have, they molest all people in religions. Like, you know, you're not convincing those people. Otherwise, yeah. if you didn't leave the Catholic church, when the cover-ups came out, you're probably not leaving. Yeah, that's true. Cause you think God, cause you think you have a connection to God. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I you think this, this is, this is why abortion, I think plays such an outsized role in yeah. American politics, because if you are pro-life, it's a way again to wash away your other sins, right? It's like, look, I did all these other things, but like, at least I want to save babies, right? You know, like I'm not a monster. Of course it's right? baby. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. Babies. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, Little it's, babies. it's this very strategic way to sort of say, yeah, I, I may be a hypocrite and all these other things, but at least I'm not a baby killer. You know, like, I mean, that's where you got to draw the line somewhere. And the Orthodox and, priests yeah. in Russia are pro war. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not that hard to take down religion. People are just afraid to. Not that hard, in this country. Good luck in other places. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I in this country, we're not that religious. How many of your friends are that religious? None. Look, this country Two? is super religious. Fraudulent religious. Okay, not but real that, religious. That, but no, no, no. There's like, a difference. There's America versus Europe. Like America still like goes to church. Like Europeans don't even go to church. They don't, they don't even pretend, you know, like, like they're, sure. they've, they've stopped pretending like there's For more, sure. there's more people going to church 
regularly here than in Rome. You know, like, you know, it's, it's like, this I is a very that. religious. What, what, what are we 250 years old? You know, like we're babies <laughs> ourselves. Okay. We're, we're little babies. You have to take it into account. We're, we're not that old. You know, the Europeans have been through it for a long time. I don't know. I, I'm just saying that this is, this is, again, I'm going to blame the democratic political machine on this one mm-hmm. is that for years when the Republicans were very strategically um, figuring out ways to dismantle Roe v. Wade, the Democrats were basically either waffling, you know, about abortion um, or thinking that they don't have to do anything because Roe v. Wade happened. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, you know, that's it. That's the Supreme court precedent. Um, and meanwhile, the courts have been taken over and now the Supreme court has been taken over <laughs> and, and it's like, it's like, okay, good luck with all this now. And now good luck we with rallying the troops to try to get legislation through two you houses. You can rally to, the to, troops. To you just need a general. We don't have a general. That's the problem. A 78 year old granddaddy <laughs> who, you know, is responsible for some pretty racist legislation in his day is not the guy. So like, it's, that's the point. It's like a piece of me, my anarchist view is like, fuck them. Let the (laughs) Democrats keep losing. Keep putting these old haggard out of date Feinsteins and Grams and, and George and uh, Joe Biden and the guy from, you know, Vermont that can't even talk the, the Senator, like keep, go ahead keep putting your, keep, keep putting your money on these horses and keep losing. And at some point there will be a young, relatable human. I mean, you have one right now, people to judge. I don't know if, if I'm the CEO of the Democrats, which I'll continue to say, I'm literally calling a meeting going, our Tom Brady right now is Pete. I don't know another one. <laughs> I don't know one. There, maybe there is one, I, and I don't know all of the local Cincinnati. You know, I, right, I like right. the guy from Cincinnati, the mayor. You know, there are these young people around. I'm sure there's others I don't know of, but the one I know that's nationally recognized is Mayor Pete, and he's a phenomenal debater, and he's a veteran. You know, the one people are afraid that he's gay. I think we're past. I think he'll be fine. Mm-hmm. They said that about Obama about being black. I think if you get on the stage, and you're badass, you can p- people that have these pre-existing. Uh, prejudices can sometimes get bought over. And I don't know why that guy is not front and center giving speeches at rallies and debating. I am, I am completely shocked that they're letting that weapon not be seen. Well, I mean, he's perfect. He's the perfect Democrat. He's kind. He's basically a centrist. He's bu- so, he's busy doling out infrastructure money in the Department of Transportation. Like he's like one that's of the fine. most powerful people in Washington because that's the one bill Great. that got passed. Great. Right. And guess what? Take the credit for it. Go to all these. Go to all of the the Midwest and Southern states and blow up bridges and put new ones up and take all the credit. It's perfect. He's set up for it. And I don't understand why. This guy is not all over the place being sent to debate, being sent on Fox News, you know, on CNN, on all the late night shows. I don't know why. I mean, I do know why. You know why. But you know why. Yeah. But it's it's, it's again, the Democrats really bad. are terrible politicians. 
terrible this is politics. the this is the theme today look he's the anti-radical left he's not radical mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. he's perfect he's like an obama democrat who can really talk and can debate like a motherfucker and you guys are letting him sit and collect dust and i don't know what for because i'm telling you right now if you think biden is 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 gonna win in november especially if he's running against a Ron DeSantis. It's not happening. He's not going to win. win I'm telling you, it's not going to happen. I don't think he'd win against like Tom Cotton. You know, he will. He could win against Tom Cotton. It would be a Tom Cotton is so unlikable. Tom Cotton is so unlikable. And I've said this a million times. It's not like it's my necessarily my analysis, but you got to kind of like the way the person sounds. Tom Cotton is really creepy. I, him and Ted Cruz, God bless. I hope they run. There's no shot. They're unlikable. They're annoying. You don't want to listen to them. They're not inspiring. DeSantis could talk and he's not a pushover mm-hmm. and he could fight and he was in the military and he's a lawyer. And guess who, guess who, guess, guess, guess who uh, all the people that moved to Miami during the pandemic are Li- rich liberals from New York mm-hmm. city. And you know what they like money. Yeah. Ron DeSantis was good to them. Miami is booming. There's places, there's articles three years ago, the place is sinking. Right. Everybody is leaving. Right. Now you can't buy a damn house <laughs> there. Every chef is opening a restaurant because they didn't close. And rich people didn't want to close down. So if I'm the Republicans, we used to, we'll start doing that again. We'll do our advice for the parties. Yeah, I, yeah. Let just, you know, I think I think it's gonna happen. They're gonna see what happens with Trump maybe getting indicted or whatever, which probably won't happen, but it's a, they're going to throw DeSantis in there. He's going to run away with this. Um, and then it's going to be up to the Democrats to counter that. And boy, do I not have God, confidence. God help them. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe that's our, our next, next app. We should talk about DeSantos, just like a deep dive on this guy because he, he the only good thing about him is that he's Italian. <laughs> <laughs> The wrong Italian. The same, the same thing, you know, with Alito, I guess, right? <laughs> uh, and that other Scalia, Jesus Christ! Scalia. I know the, Ita- yeah. the Italians have Scalia to get to run Trenton the place too. the worst. You know, Scalia's from Trenton. No, it's yeah. a shame. Uh, yeah, I would love to. I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, and politically speaking, he's the perfect Republican to put up right now. Yeah, he's not he's not Trump, but he's radical, mm-hmm. and he is bold. And he has got great convictions behind his belief, boy. And goddamn, he's a veteran. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good luck. Yep. Good luck, Joe. Good luck. He gets to come in and say, I'm a veteran. Who would who would you rather lead this thing against Russia? I fought. I didn't really fight, but yeah, he was a lawyer, but yeah. he went. You get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got stripes, you got stripes. Yeah. You don't get to attack it. And he went and he served the country. Damn. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. Maybe Mayor Pete, who actually went to fight would be a good person to counter with. I know we thought that would work with Al Gore, but it didn't. It did work. And the Republicans I mean, stole the election. Yeah, that's Al true. Gore won. Al Gore did win. <laughs> you're right. This is, this is your argument. Just, we, can, we can wrap it. You're with right. That, you're right. Which is, that's how bad the Democrats are is that they just walked away from a win. They had it. He won. Oh my God. Anyway. All right. All right. Well, All right. I'm glad we're back. You're all doomed, so spend time with your kids. Have a good summer and, you know, let the Supreme Court strip away your (laughs) rights. It just seems crazy. It's crazy. It is crazy.
it's crazy. It's just like in like any day now, actually, it's usually the last week of June that they like they have this this dump of rulings. I didn't know that. Yeah. And that's oh, so it's coming. Yeah, it's coming any day. And it's just gonna okay. be brutal. Yeah. If the Democrats can't use this as a gift, then I, I honestly think we should all register to be Republicans and just try to find the best Republican <laughs> in the primaries. I'm serious. Yeah, right. We right. should all switch and be like, who's the least crazy of these motherfuckers? Because they're going to win. You just become like a fifth column in the Republican Party to like take it over from you the be- inside. Yeah, you yeah. become the AOC of Republicans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Well, all right. Well, let's do it again. Okay. No Politics at the Dinner Table is produced by Amr Prakash. Tunes by Jeet Baderoy still? Yeah, always. Yeah, boy, does he come through. Oh, my God. Love Jeet stuff. The guy's just a, the guy's just a, 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 he's a track. He's a, he's a beat maker. You know, that's what he does. I know. You know he's just I like, miss having him around when we were at the table. I know. He just watches, you know. He would watch us and, like, looking and judging. Com- Once in a comment while, on, comment on me <laughs> eating, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> Uh, theme song by uh, Alex Tepper. Um, go on our website. Have you updated it lately? There's nothing updated. With it. We haven't been doing the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Probably. We'll, we'll update it. And I There's some good stuff on there. I think I'm going to put out another newsletter sometime soon, too. So check that Great. out as well. Awesome. Um, all right. We'll see you next week. See you next week.